Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Kane is in the building. Hello, this is uh, Jordan here with Clocked In, and I'm here with Noel Thorpe, and we're here and we're going to discuss Noel's story about how he biked across America, and um, yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. So Noel, introduce yourself. Hey everyone, Uh, (laughs) this is Noel. Um, Yeah, me and Jordan met for the first time in Utah, Snowbird, Utah, at a leadership summit that we both got selected for through our fraternities, which is Sigma Chi. And, um, and if we haven't seen each other since then, <laughs> which, uh, when, was that 2017? Is that spring? Or that was summer. That was during the summer of 2016? I think it, it was. It might have been 2016. Which is four years ago now. <laughs> yeah, so we haven't seen each other in four years. Um, we both traveled a ton. We've seen a lot of different things, but we're here to hear all about Noel's adventurous life and just kind of where it took him. So from there, well, just tell us a little bit about your upbringing and like where you and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Um, well, from the beginning, I grew up in Crystal Beach. Uh, I've got a lot of family history there. I grew up on the same street as my mother and my grandmother. Oh, that's badass. And... Uh, and it's kind of what it used to be. Well, my family kind of settled Crystal Beach in like the early 1800s. And um, it used to be a farm town, so it used to be super poor. And, uh, you know, so my whole family side is like kind of, I mean, hick-ish. Like we've got some country lineage for sure. And, uh, but I'm like super proud of it. And especially because like Crystal Beach is on the water and it's just got this super like Florida vibe really and um, and I had a whole lot of freedom growing up as a child like, living on the water like me and one of my best friends Raymond Gillum uh, who I ended up doing the bike trip with me and him would go island camping 
So I had this little 12 foot John boat with an eight horsepower Mercury. And when I was 12 and he was 11, we were allowed to take it out by ourselves and go camping <laughs> overnight on these islands. And uh, we just, we put ourselves through the ringer. I mean, we, I don't know what my parents are thinking, honestly, but they would, you know, ask us like, hey, did you check the weather? And we'd be like, <laughs> yeah, we hadn't checked the weather. And they'd be like, do you have everything you need? And we're like, yeah, of course. Didn't have shit. Like, we, on multiple occasions, we forgot water, <laughs> we forgot food, we forgot water and food, we didn't bring shelter. We didn't bring a tent camping the first 20 times, probably. Oh, wow. We always just slept outside, and, like, we got, like, storms came through and just bent us over, and, like, cold bugs, like, heat. It, we We suffered as children, but, like, it's really funny because we kept going back like you know by now like I still go island camping on the same islands like I went this past weekend and um, I've gone over a hundred times and like I've suffered out there so much and like but but now like I have it down to an absolute science and like basically can't get uncomfortable out there it's just like what keeps you going back it's just absolute freedom out there really like it's it's a small island there's nothing on it there's, besides just trees and bushes and some random critters. Uh, and it's, it's the most, um, uh, let's see, like, it's, it's so natural. Like, it's so far away from everything, but yet it's, like, really close. Like, it's a quarter mile offshore, maybe a half mile, but, um, but it's not affected, really. Like, I'm standing on the shore of the island. I'm looking at, like, all these developed houses and, like, condos. I can see Clearwater Beach, like, you know, high-rises and everything. But right here, it's, like, none of that is here. Yeah, none of that impacts this place, really. And um, there's a lot of nature out there. Like, so many dolphins come by all the time. Like, it's, it's just fascinating. Like, I love being on the water. There's so much wildlife in the water, and it's such a different world, like... I'll stand out on the tip of one of the islands at like midnight and a pod of dolphins will come by and like, you know, it's like a full moon. It's like this epic scene and they'll yeah. start attacking these mullet and they're just like slapping them with their tails and like knocking them out of the water. And it's crazy. Like I've just seen so much crazy stuff out there that it outweighs the suffering, like, you know, a thousand to one, like that stuff. It's, it's only like funny stories now is the, the <laughs> horrible times and some of the best stories I have. Yeah, that's amazing. Is that your favorite spot in the world? Um, that's a really tough one. Uh, you know, it really, it definitely could be. Um, it's probably where I feel most comfortable. Um, and like every time I go out there, I go, I'm barefoot. Like I love, <laughs> like I, I've got so many scars and just, you know, I get beat up out there. Yeah. Constantly, yeah, I've got busted my feet so much. But like it, it makes them kind of tough, which I like. I like having calloused feet yeah. just because uh, you know, it feels good for one thing, and I like being like you know connected. I like being yeah. grounded, and I like kind of you definitely have more respect for the place when you're walking barefoot. Like if you're wearing shoes, you can just fucking trample on anything you want, but without shoes, you kind of gotta like move with the land. You gotta you know pick your steps and stuff. Um, so. It's just a part of the experience uh, being barefoot out there. But um, it, that's, I've never been asked that. Uh, I've never thought about it. 
you know, I'll easily say a top five, and it definitely could be. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it seems awesome. It seems like a place you definitely love and cherish. And yeah, I appreciate that. So tell us how you got to tell us because we went, let me backtrack. So we were there four years ago. We're in Snowbird. We're going, and Noel just goes, Yeah, I'm not going back to school. And we were sophomores going into junior year of college. And Noel's like, Hey guys, like, Forgot to tell you, I'm out. I'm not doing school anymore. Oh, like after, yeah, after yeah, yeah. We left Horizons. Yeah, li- we literally left, and it was, it was in our a, group chat. Yeah, it was a week later. <laughs> two weeks later, he's like, "Yeah, I kind of dropped out of school," <laughs> and we're all like, "Okay." What, so, what was it? What were you going on there? Like, how did we get to that point? Um, okay, so there's definitely a lot to unpack there. That's uh, dropping out of college wasn't the easiest decision I've made. Uh, it started with um, breaking up with my ex okay. uh, after the first summer at college. Okay. Um, we dated in high school. We dated junior year. T- I went to Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for two years, and I was there for sophomore and junior year. I dated this girl, Maddie, all of junior year, and then I moved back to Florida um, for you know a bunch of reasons. Uh, but me and Maddie um, did long distance for all of my senior year. We stayed together, and uh, she came and visited. I went and visited, and then I went to college. I did that first summer semester. And where did you go to college? University of North Florida in Jacksonville, and uh, and I immediately was um, you know confronted with the university lifestyle. Uh, I was, you know, rushed by Sigma Chi. And, you know, I was already terrible at doing long distance. I'm not very, <laughs> I'm not very, uh, I mean, I'm not not technically savvy, but I don't like using my phone too much and I just don't think to use it very often. And so, you know, that being said, long distance is tough. Uh, and so it wasn't working already. And then I saw this coming and I was like, I need to do something, and I'm, I didn't want to drop out of college either, you know, at that point. Um, so I ended things with her, and that, you know, uh, was a lot of weight on my psyche for years, um, but especially hard those first two years. Like, I, you know, felt all sorts of guilt and all this stuff, da da da. And so that was something. And then also, you know, I was full time student. And then I rushed to Mackay, and I was also having to work 30 to 40 hours a week in a kitchen. Like, I was oh, a cook. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and so I was just, you know, no getting work to the bone. Yeah. But I was also still going out and, like, <laughs> raging all the time. Yeah. Like, like what, the worst example. Like, I had work. I had to leave my house at 5.30, um, and I had to bike eight miles to work. <laughs> I had to be there at 6 uh, to, to open up the bistro kitchen. Because I was responsible for that, and um, I was drinking until three in the morning, <clears throat> and then my because my roommate Alvaro, he's you know one of my favorite people ever, but he's a terrible influence on me, or he was. He's gotten a lot better himself, but then he was you know I mean and I wanted to stay up and keep drinking too, but I was like <clears throat> I want to go to bed and like get to work, and he's like no 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 no, and uh, and like he's from Spain, and so he uh, they always stay out till like six in the morning, <laughs> yeah, so. You know, I basically went to bed at 4.30 uh, 
And he laid in bed next to me, awake, waiting to wake me up for work. And then like, I woke up, like, I, no, I went to bed at like five because it was 30 minutes. And he wakes me up and I got up, just wasted still, and rode my bike to work. And, you know, that was a Sunday shift. And then worked the whole morning. And then I've probably had like some Sigma Chi event like right after that to go to. And like, so I was just getting work to the bone. And then I, my first year I was studying mechanical engineering. Uh, and then I was massively impacted by um, a documentary that my friend Matt re- recommended to me. It was Forks Over Knives. And I took it all to heart. And can you I, can you give everyone a quick preview because I don't know what that is either. Forks over knives is uh, a documentary on becoming vegan. Essentially, they're, that's what they're trying to push. They're trying to get people to become vegan. And um, so that night at three in the morning, we were watching this documentary. Me and my buddy Nick both, you know, we're going vegan, cold turkey. And uh, I stuck with it for like three years. He, Nick, had like two weeks. <laughs> um, uh, but I forget what my line was. Uh, All good. So basically you went vegan and then you were kind of realizing you are getting pushed to the bone. Yeah. Um, and then it was kind of with the girlfriend, everything going on was right. kind of... Oh, yeah. So I watched the documentary and... Um, went vegan and uh, so then that's why I went vegan and then decided to switch to nutrition and dietetics as a degree for my sophomore year because I you know I wasn't doing too bad in the classes for mechanical engineering I really just wasn't trying hard enough like I wasn't devoting enough time to my classes but I was like all right now I'm really passionate about health and diet like this is going to turn a corner um, because I actually want to do it, whereas mechanical engineering, I was just kind of doing it because you know it was a good idea, um, and so switched to it. And then quickly, I realized that it was not a field that I wanted to get into, even though I still was passionate about food and just general health. Um, I just didn't see myself like I got in the very beginning. I got so I was I'm. I tend to be a pretty ambitious person. Like I jump, I jump all the way ahead when I get into an idea. And like I was like, I'm gonna, like I want to be the head of the WHO, you know, the World Health Organization. Okay. Like that's where I was looking when I first switched. And then I was like, I'm also I can be easily deterred with something that I don't want to do. Um, which like once I got my degree, I would have to be a registered dietitian and. You know, looking as after I looked like in depth into that, I was like, I don't want to do that at all because of like the strict regulation. And like, I don't even agree with a lot of the regulation. And you can use your license if you don't follow the regulation to a T. And I was like, so if I lose my license, then I, I lose everything. And that's, yeah. and I wouldn't be saying stuff that I entirely agree with. So I was like, I can't do that. Um, so that's when it really started to, you know, tumble. And like, my parents were in the middle of a divorce. My dog of like 17 years just passed away. Oh, shit. And all this stuff was just peaking. And um, I was like, I'm not in the right headspace to be in university. Like, I am wasting money and time. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working all these hours, you know, to pay for my college that I'm not even doing well enough <laughs> to where it's going to put me in a good spot. 
And I was like, it just doesn't make sense for me to stay in, essentially. Um, but I think before I came to that conclusion uh, is when I developed the idea for the bicycle trip. Now, before we hop into the bike, I just want to hear what was your parents' thoughts? And when you were in high school, were you pushed to go to university? Because I feel like a lot of kids experience this issue where it's, it's so expensive to go to school. Is it worth it? Am I wasting my parents' money? Blah, 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 blah. Right. Because it, it is a, it's becoming a lifetime of debt, and a lot of kids, it's not for. Mm-hmm. So just can you speak on that? Sure. Um, I wasn't pushed, um, but I was definitely expected to go to college. Um, my older sister before me did not go to college, uh, so you know, I didn't have that. It wasn't like, you know, she went, so you have to go. But I think it was kind of like she didn't go, so we would appreciate it if you went, <laughs> if you tried, you know. Um, like my mom went to Florida State. My dad went to University of Florida, you know. So, you know, my, I do come from, like, university background, um, especially on my father's side. Like, they've all done, like, extremely well in universities. So, but I, I was never, like, super adamant about school. I was... I wasn't like very interested in what I was learning and everything like that. So um, I was smart. Like I've always been, you know, capable. I just never put in the hours. Uh, I liked, you know, going <laughs> island camping on the weekends. Like I wasn't yeah, in my yeah, room yeah. reading or studying. That was, that was yeah. me. But um, I only applied to one college. I only applied to University of North Florida. Um, and I got accepted. So <laughs> at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going. And... Um, but, you know, my dad told me that he'd pay for my first semester, which was my summer semester. Um, and I was like, okay, like, that's fair. Because I know my dad worked his way through pretty much all of college. Um, granted, it was a little cheaper then, but, you know, he did it. And I ended up coming out with no debt because of how much I worked. But, okay. you know, if I continued, it, it could have worked path. out to where if I didn't work and just gotten loans and I probably could have done well in school and then it would have been like a whole different dilemma. You know, yeah, exactly. But so, you know, it, I'm all about uh, like jumping into something without being ready, you know, like I've, I tend to do that. Um, but university is kind of its own beast. Uh, I don't, because you can learn to love something, of course, yeah. um, through practice. And I think the only way to truly love something is through practice. Like you have to get into something that you don't really like. And then through time, it's like then you see why it's actually like a beautiful thing. Like it wouldn't exist if it wasn't a beautiful thing in someone's eyes, you know, because we're human. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say that I completely agree with that because there's so many things people do. Like they'll look at biology for instance and they're like that's stupid I don't really like that but if you start diving into it and if you dive in deep enough into anything there is a major interest that people will find for sure and if I forced you in that room for a week with biology material with the right professor yes exactly with the right teacher you'd come out Mm -hmm. being like biology is amazing (laughs) exactly yeah I almost flunked um High school biology. Well, AP bio, senior year. I had it, you know, first period, 7 a.m. Like, I was in there so tired. And I was, like, falling asleep. But 
you know, I made it out alive. But then I took biology again in college, and that textbook was one of my favorite reads. Oh wow! Like, I love. I fell in love with it. Like, I love biology, and you know, I could see myself, you know, eventually getting into biology. But oh wow! I, you know, I don't know where I'd want to take it yet. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll just keep reading the textbooks, <laughs> learn what I can, not you know, get my degree in it. But um. Yeah, so it's all it all depends on what you want to do and you know, it's it's a, it's really a personal decision. It really is. And like if you're good at school, you know, already like throughout high school, like you can get good grades, you know, you've just got that regiment, you know, then you, you just keep going. Yeah, it might as well just keep it up. Yeah. Um, but if you sure. don't and you're just like, Well, I should go to university because it's expected or it's the only way to get a good job, I would, you know, suggest taking a year or two off, working a job that you don't want, saving up, living cheaply, and, you know, but also just, you know, exploring. Um, Especially today, it's so much easier with, like, the internet. You can find anything, you can discover anything online and, like, you know, just find what you want online. But I think the best way is through talking with people, you know, and um, just getting out there and talking to strangers really is like the like strangers know everything <laughs> there's someone who knows something about anything like you know so i think that's the best way to um find what you want to do that's it, i don't know if you let um like the universe let's say um work for you if you let it it will you know and like i um, I think it'll find something for you that you really do enjoy uh, rather than like trying to push, you know, for what you want to do. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now let's dive into your exploration phase and your learning phase and how you came up with all of this. And, and then what, what was that that you came up with? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, the idea started really um, out of nowhere. Uh, it was just, you know, a simple idea that popped into my head one day. Uh, I was riding my bike to school and to work every single day. Um, I was riding, you know, 15 to 20 miles a day on average. Um, and, you know, the idea, I guess the idea of dropping out had entered, you know, into my you know, thought process. And... Um, You know what? Yeah, no, it had already, definitely, because I was I was starting to talk about dropping out with my sisters, and um, and we had started talking about moving out together to the Northwest, uh, whether it be Washington or Alaska. Those oh, are the wow. two that we were trying to think of, and um, and so we're talking with our aunt, my aunt Brandy, that lives out in. Bellevue, Washington, and we are like, hey, you know, we're thinking about moving out to the Northwest, because me and my sisters, like, my older sister was living in Hawaii at the time, Renee, my little sister, was back home in Crystal Beach, and then I was up in Jacksonville, so we're all over the place, we're like, let's get together, let's, let's all live together for like a year or something, let's, you know, just, let's just do it, <laughs> and um, so we're talking to my aunt. We're like, hey, you know, could we stay with you guys for like a week or two while we all get jobs and try to find a place to stay? And she emailed back like the next day. 
and she said that her mother and father-in-law had passed away a few years ago and they had a condo in Kirkland that was now vacant and we could live there for a year oh. if we wanted, uh, free of charge. They're like, no rent, just like, you know, we have this place, we're not paying for it, it's paid off, you know, you guys can live there for a year if you want. And um, it ended up being that my older sister, Rochelle, couldn't go because she had just gotten a boyfriend and, you know, wasn't, just wasn't going to happen. And then, so for me and Renee, uh, it was just a matter of getting there. At that point, we're like, all right, we should do it. Um, and the idea just was like, I'm going to ride my bike there. Like, I'm riding my bike, you know, school to work every day, da, da, da. Um, I think I can do it. Um, but I kept the idea to myself for a while because, <laughs> you know, I, I knew that it was crazy. Um, so, and I was, I was nervous with it. And I know me, like, as soon as I say something to someone, I'm expected to do it. That's how I just am. Like, if I say I'm going to do something to someone, else, like, I can tell myself I'm going to do something all day and, like, not do it. I'm kind of lazy in that way. But if I tell someone else I'm going to do it, like, I, I just imagine that they're expecting me to do it. And so I'll, I'll do it. So, you know, I was really holding off because that was, was a big thing. And um, me and my sisters and our friend Dagan, uh, so after dropping out of college, I'd already dropped out. It had been a couple months and moved back home, worked a little bit. Me, both my sisters and our friend Dagan went to Europe for a month. We did a backpacking trip, spent all of my money. Uh, but on the trip, I remember being on a train um, from, let's see, shoot, what's the name of that? town in Germany. It's not Berlin. It's Munich. Munich. Yeah, we were in Munich and we were going to Vienna. So this train was basically straight across Austria. And I told Renee first, I was like, I'm thinking about riding my bike to Washington instead of flying. She was like, (laughs) she's like, ha, 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 like you're crazy. You know, we didn't, and I was like, okay. (laughs) And I just left it at that. Didn't bring it up anymore. And then, um, like I don't, I don't know if I brought it up once more while we were in Europe. I could have, but like you know, still it wasn't like this big discussion. And then went home. Uh, me and my sister were both living at home now in Crystal Beach with my dad, and I was. And then I started to talk about it more with Renee because I started working at this marina. I was biking back and forth every day, and I was like, okay, Renee, I'm actually getting pretty serious about riding my bike. Like I think I'm gonna do it. And and she was like, all right, well, you have to tell dad. And I was like, I know. I know I've got to tell dad. Um, I think I'm trying to remember who I told first, my mom or my dad, because my mom lives in Hawaii. She did, and she still does. Um, and I did, I spent a week in Hawaii sometime in between Europe and the bike trip. I forget exactly when. But either way, so I, the way I told my dad, um, it was just me, him, and Renee sitting at the din- dining room table one night. And I was like, you know, Dad, I think I'm going to ride my bike out to Washington instead of flying. And then he was like, you know, why? <laughs> well, how would you do that? And um, I was like, well, I, th- I think I can. Um, and I think it would be, you know, a wild adventure. And I think if I can, then I should. Um, he was like, well, it just doesn't make any sense. And I was like, you know, why? 
And he just started listing off all these valid reasons to why it doesn't make any sense, uh, mainly based on when. Um, and so when, because uh, it was September when we started, and we were going to Washington State, which uh, it's cold, you know, winter is coming. Um, and so we were on the clock to get there quickly. That was one thing against us. And then also, I didn't know this, he knew it, um, that the prevailing winds in the country are from west to east. Like, oh, so, really? So the winds would be in our face most the of the way. Trip. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, we'll just deal with that. And then he was like, you know, why don't you just do it with a group? Like, people do it with groups all the time, and they go from the west coast to the east coast. And I was like... I don't have time. Like I'm, I'm moving to Washington now. It's like that's the reason I'm doing it is for the the move, and I'm not. I don't want to do it just to do it. I want to get out to Washington on my bike, you know, and um, and I really didn't know a damn. I didn't have any like good information to like back myself up with, you know. I I didn't know that cycle touring was a thing. Uh, I didn't know that anyone had done it before. I. Like, after I had realized that someone had done it, I was like, dude, actually, this is later, but I, was, I thought that we were going to be the youngest ones to do it and whatnot. But at this point, also, I thought I was doing it alone. I was like, you know, I didn't want, really, uh, just the added difficulty of trying to get another person to go on this trip with me. Yeah. You know, it's a lot to ask of someone. For sure. Um, and then I went out to Hawaii, and I told my mom... And, you know, she said, no. <laughs> she said, no, you're not going to do that. That's incredibly dangerous and, you know, all this stuff. And, and, he, like, and well, the second thing, I guess, she asked, or the first thing she asked was, um, you know, who's going with you? And I was like, I don't have anyone going with me. And she's like, if you're, like, you have to have a buddy. Like, you have to practice the buddy system no matter what. Like, you have to. Like, she was dead set on that. Like, never broke away from that whatsoever. And then I went back home, and it was probably a week, and I was at this, this is when I really dug myself in deep. Um, <laughs> I was at my friend Alan's birthday party, he's also my cousin, uh, and I started talking to people, like my friends, people I went to school with, who I hadn't seen in a while, I was like, I think I'm gonna ride my, I'm, I'm riding my bike to Washington uh, State to live out there. You know, everyone's like, you're crazy, you're crazy. And Raymond was actually at this party but, and I hadn't even told him yet. I hadn't told Raymond that I was doing the bike trip because I was afraid that he, <laughs> he would want to go, really. Um, and I still was on this, like, I want to do it by myself kick. But I knew my mom wanted me to have a, a buddy. And then a few days later, I was going out on the boat, I, uh, my dad's boat, and uh, that's a little spider. Um, and... Raymond and three of his buddies <clears throat> came over and they all went straight to the house out back and I was in the living room and Raymond comes up to me and he's like, why the hell am I finding out that you're riding your bicycle across the country, um, you know, from my friends? And like, you know, me and Raymond are like really close and I was like, dude, I, I was like, ah, uh, well, you know, I just, and then he's like, I'm going with you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, all right, you know, 
where do we start? And I was like, Shit. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that's when it really became know, real. Yeah. That's once like we started looking at gear together and we were looking at possible routes and like, really getting into it. It was like, okay, this is happening. That's wild that Raymond would just pull the trigger like that. Yeah, he really pulled the trigger on me. And it's funny because, um, like, my parents were so, like, my mom was just like, no. And then I got the buddy, you know, Raymond. Yeah. And um, she was still, she was, like, crying on the phone to me, like, you know, multiple times a week. Because she was, like, so scared. And I was like, Mom, like. It's going to be good. Yeah, just imagine, imagine I'm going on a bike ride every single day. Like, you know, people go on bike rides all the time. Yeah. People go on bike rides every day, you know, and they don't get hit by cars and whatnot or fall and, you know, everything else is horrible that could happen. And like that, that was a good thing for me to say. That really calmed her down. Um, she's like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, that being said, it was incredibly dangerous. <laughs> but, and then my dad, up until like a week before I left, like, yeah. um, he was really hammering me, like not wanting me to go at all. And it was probably like a month and a half of him like really drilling me. But then he started to see that like I was going one way or another. Like he wasn't convincing me. Like I was being extremely stubborn. Um, and so that's when he started to help me. So he started looking into routes and like trying to find campsites and, you know, proper gear and, um, you know, techniques with riding and stuff and like actually helping me. And that, you know, that was huge. That helped. That helped a lot, and like meant a lot. Um, and then my mom too. But what's, what's funny is that Raymond's mom, as soon as she heard about it, she was absolutely thrilled. Like, oh really? So psyched. She was like, yes. She's like, yes. Like, I'm so happy for you guys. Like, this is so exciting. You know, we're gonna like, we gotta get you on like local news. And like, she was pumped up. <laughs> Couldn't have been more thrilled. Uh, so that was just you know funny. Um, you know, juxtaposing reactions to such an idea. Um, and then from when Raymond was like, let's fucking go, and your parents were like, no, 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 and you guys start planning, when did you actually get going? So we left September 21st. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's late September. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and Raymond actually didn't get, he didn't own a bike when he said that he was going to be joining me on this bike trip. And he didn't buy a bike until two days before we left. Oh, my God. Yeah, we had gear coming in up until the last day. Oh, wow. Yeah, we weren't, like, we didn't have, like, a week of being, like, okay, yeah, we're, like, super ready. It was, like, the the night before we left, we were supposed to leave at, like, 8 a.m., you know, on September 21st. Uh but we didn't end up leaving until like 2.30 in the afternoon because we were still prepping our bikes. <laughs> like that's how last minute it was. It wasn't even like last minute. It's like we didn't, we left as soon as we were ready. And what, even then we weren't ready. And what's this preparation that you're doing? Because I've gone on vacation and I grab a bag and I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. I have no clue how to prep for a bike across America. <laughs> right, and neither did we. Uh, um, we, I packed pretty terribly, you know, <laughs> especially now, like I've gone on other long distance adventures, excursions, what have you. And, uh, I know how to pack now. 
Um, then I just, I had so much extra gear, um, extra clothes. Like I bought, I brought my rock climbing shoes because I thought it'd be cool if we could find a place to go rock climbing. It's like, first of all, I, we didn't. I <laughs> never used those. That was just additional weight. And they're not lightweight shoes either. They're like hard rubber, you know, and take up valuable space. Uh, I brought my fly fishing rod, which I don't think I ever used once either. Could have, but it just it's hard to do stuff when you've after a long day of biking. Um, and so packing, getting all the stuff was one thing. We're like looking online, you know, reading articles and watching YouTube videos on like, you know, gear reviews and like what you need, what are the essentials. And so we got all the essentials and then some. And then, you know, we had to pack it all into our bags. We had to, which we also had to buy, we had to buy paneers. And then my dad, my dad works construction and he got me this like construction grade uh, reflective tape. And so we just cut it all up and put a bunch of strips on our bikes and on our bags. So we would just be like these bright red beacons of light <laughs> on the highway, you know, um, which helped a lot. Actually, that added a lot of visibility to, you know, us. Um, and then, you know, we put on the the bike bags, the paneers, and we loaded up with all of our stuff for the first time that morning. And Raymond had to do something that morning. Like he left my house at like 3 a.m. After like I was doing it and I was going to like stripe his um, bike and bag up with all the reflective stuff while he had to go do something else. Um, Completely unrelated to the bike trip, but he had to do it. Like put his car in storage. I don't know. But, you know, he left and then came back at like 8 in the morning and we continued, uh, you know, to get ready. And then we load our bikes up with everything and I'm riding down the my road as like the first test run and the freaking bike bag is like bouncing like as I'm riding oh it's kind of rocking back and forth and it's bumping the wheel and uh, I'm like you know it's gonna tear a hole in the in the bag in no time like that's completely un- unacceptable I can't leave in this condition and so immediately trying to you know create some sort of brace out of like random bits from my garage that will like prevent it from happening I couldn't get it um, so I, you know, I go to my dad and I'm like, Hey, you know, this is the problem. Cause he's a carpenter too. Like he's a pretty handy guy. I was like, can you help me build something to you know, prevent it? I like, gave him my idea and he's like, okay, let's, let's do it. And, um, built this thing and it worked pretty well. Um, it re- it, unless I like really shucked the bike, um, it wouldn't touch, you know, it was good enough. And so, and we had to do, and then we did the Raymond's bike as well. We had to build two of them cause his bike was doing the same thing. And, you know, we're out front of my house just tinkering, tinkering, tinkering. Like, there's just trying to think of everything we possibly could um, that, you know, we needed or could go wrong. And then it was like, and then the last thing we did after our bikes were completely ready, we're like, all right, we're good to to leave. Um, My dad was like, here's my baby powder. Uh, You're going to want to, like, powder up, you know, the boys before a good long ride because otherwise we'll get chafing. And so <laughs> we went into the bathroom at my house and we, you know, we did it together. <laughs> uh, we, you know, just tossed some baby powder up in our junk. And, uh, and actually I think, no, my dad just let us borrow his and we actually ended up buying our own. But like 
I, I remember Raymond like double dipped. Like, you know, he did it. He like patted himself down yeah. with the baby powder and then he went in again. I was like, dog, did you just double dip my dad's baby powder? Like, that's messed up. That's disgusting. <laughs> but, you know, it was too late. And then we left. Uh, we started up the hill at the end of my driveway and got on the trail, the Pinellas Trail, uh, Fred Marquis Pinellas Trail. Okay, and, so, uh, you're, so you're finishing up. Like, you're like, we're ready to go. It's game time. You got to tell me, what was the plan? How long were you planning on getting there? Where is the route? Are we sleeping outside? Are we just, what's going on with the phones? Are we going to have cell phones? <laughs> yeah, so we had cell phones. Uh, <clears throat> Raymond had Verizon. I had AT&T. You know, that just, so, that just happened to that. We had like, you know, multiple angles of coverage, even though he always had service and I almost never had service. <laughs> Uh, um, we had a tent we also had a hammock each um, so we were planning on sleeping outside uh, a good portion of it as far as planning ahead went uh, as to like a route um, we planned the first six days uh, you know we were like let's get the f- at least the first six days so that we know where to go so we know what direction we want to head in and that basically went into like Georgia. Okay. We were expecting to get, or like maybe Alabama. We we're expecting to get, you know, in the beginning of Alabama within six days or something like that. Um, and well, and then overall, the overall trip was supposed to take about two months. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, we were planning on it taking two months, getting there. We were trying to get there for Thanksgiving, actually. Okay. Yeah, which was almost exactly two months. Okay. And is there something I'm missing? No, 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 that's it. Now now we're on the go. Yeah. And then so as far as the first six days went, uh day one butchered it. <laughs> and then day two made it worse, day three made it impossible. And so, you know, by the third day we gave up on planning ahead as um multiple days anyway. Then we just started give, getting like a general plan before going to bed and then we'd wake up in the morning and be like, give another good look at you know where grocery stores were, gas stations, um, where we needed to make turns and we'd just go over it again and you know kind of decide a final plan for the day. And so we did it day by day after that because um, the first day was brutal. Uh, our, it was tiring, like my legs are, legs were tired, but it was mainly um, on our butts. Yeah. Oh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyone who's ever ridden a bike for half an hour knows knows that your butt hurts pretty bad. Um, but if you ride your bike for six hours, it hurts very bad, <laughs> very very bad, and. Uh, we were just biking up US 19. Um, you know, we, we rode the trail, and it was actually really funny. We, we got to US 19. Uh, the, the trail intersects US 19, and then it was like, all right, we need to go left. And Raymond's like, no, we need to go right. Oh, <laughs> already getting into yeah, arguments. First turn, you know, literally the first turn. Um, and it, you, I couldn't convince him, even though I was hitting him with all sorts of logic. 
uh, you know, like, you know, the sun's right there. We just came from the water. We're hitting it from this side. Da, da, da. He's like, no, man, I'm sure we need to go right. I pulled out my compass and, you know, left was north, which is where we were heading. He's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> let's go left. And it wasn't two hours of riding before I started to notice that my seat was, like, rotating or, like, um, <clears throat> pitching up. And I was like, that's pretty weird. Um, and so I got off my bike because it started to get pretty bad, actually. So I got off my bike, kind of looked at it, and um, it, it didn't really matter before. Before I had a bunch of weight on the bike, but now that I did have a bunch of weight on the bike, uh, I had the bicycle seat um, past its maximum height uh, mark. Yeah, because it was actually my mom's old bike, so it's the bike was relatively small for me. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so I had the bike seat like all the way out, like as far as it could possibly go, but it's past the recommended length. And so, with that, and I had the bike um, rack that was holding my bags, uh, the way that the arms went down and attached to the bicycle frame um, was pretty, you know unsavvy like not very like structurally sound yeah um and it actually started to bend one of my forks like the two forks that hold on your back wheel okay that hold you know the the frame of the bike you know everything yeah (laughs) started to bend oh no yeah and so um i had to ridge i will we didn't even have the tool we happened to be across the street from a walmart Literally. Amazing. Yeah. And so um, I walked my bike across US-19, which is like eight lanes, (laughs) and Raymond rode across and uh, went and bought a wrench because it didn't have the appropriate wrench to do it and, you know, adjusted my bike seat, adjusted the bike rack, and then so now I had to sit really low um, so that it would, you know, support the rack the appropriate way. And so that kind of sucked. But I mean, that was the first two, three hours of the trip. Oh, was my that. goodness. And like almost broke my bike, you know, yeah. right off the bat. Literally, it almost, if I had kept riding and just like, if I had tried to just put the seat back how it was, it would have snapped in the bike trip. Because <laughs> like we weren't exactly rolling in dough and I couldn't just like, I mean, I probably would have spent whatever money I did have on a bike and just like said, you know, now I don't have it to spend on something else later. But how much did you guys go into the trip with? Um, so we had about, I actually, so I went to Europe, spent all my money, got home, started working again. And then I sold my car that I, you know, drove through high school and stuff um, for 2300 And so I went into the trip with like $2,700. <laughs> um, Raymond had a little less, I think. Uh, and then we also started to go fund me. Okay. We had a GoFundMe running, which we ended up getting like twelve hundred or sixteen hundred dollars, which was amazing. Like, yeah, huge. Yeah, massive. Huge. You know, considering like we were running a pretty low budget trip, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so that's a lot of money yeah. on our on our budget. Um, and you know, we we couldn't have gotten nearly as far as we did without that. So that was amazing. Um, but yeah, and then it took us five days to get to Tallahassee. Um, where we stopped for two nights 
because um, we've got a bunch of friends in Tallahassee that I went to school with. Yeah, and, uh, Yeah, exactly. Florida State University. And um, we basically just raged our faces off for two nights. <laughs> and uh, I got my first fight ever. Oh, wow. Yeah, a good brawl. <laughs> Split my eyebrow open at a black eye. Uh, got a kid in the headlock. It was sweet. Um, <laughs> oh we totally goodness. lost the fight. Like, yeah. undeniably lost. Uh, and it was, we totally instigated it because these guys just, I don't know. <laughs> we were like beyond wasted. Was so, knowingly beyond. doing a cross country trip, you decided to get into a brawl five yeah, days in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, it just, you know, it's, it felt right, you know. <laughs> yeah, you got to stand up for what you believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to talk about what we were saying. Uh, but yeah, that was, a, that was a riot. It was a good time. Um, it wasn't a very restful two days. It was like, it was supposed to be like a break, you know, and it wasn't. Um, and then, you know, that's, God, there's so much. Like every day is something. And it, it ended up taking 63 days. Um, okay, so just around two months. Yeah. Is, so <clears throat> just a quick, like a big point or like, a, I don't know. We biked 2,300 miles total. And then we hitchhiked 1,100, I think. So we had to hitchhike a fair amount as well. Uh, especially at the end. Um, and why was that? At the very end, up the West Coast, uh, you know, we were looking at, we were getting dumped on by rain because it was like rainy season was <clears throat> starting. Yeah. And it was hitting hard. And we looked at the forecast and it was rain for the next 10 days. Oh my God. And it was like, you know, we don't have the money to stay in the hotel and we're like not prepared to s- live outside, outside for 10 nights. 10 days through rain. Well, 10 days is like as far as the forecast went. You know? Like for all we knew, it was two or three weeks. Yeah. Because it rains like that out there. Yeah. Um, So we basically had to call it um, at the very end. And where was, where were you then? That was uh, the Redwood Forest. We were in the Redwood Forest when we first got nailed. And uh, that's when you started to decide we need alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Mode of transportation for sure. Um, And you know, at that point, uh, we were, you know, content with what we had done. And um, it was like, let's just, let's get there. Now we're like ready to get there and we can do it in like two days if we hitchhike. Uh, so for those 63 days, what, what just give me your top five <laughs> stories slash problems slash craziness slash any, like, because I know being out there is just, it's another monster. Like, obviously, yeah. everyone lives there on the day-to-day, but this is like we are going from town to town to town to town to town. Right. The middle of the U.S. is crazy. The East Coast is crazy. The West Coast is crazy. Yeah. You got something in there. I know it. No doubt. <laughs> um, let's see. One of the best ones, one of my favorite stories, was it started off horrible. Um <laughs> Raymond's wheel started to break. Uh, well, actually, no, it, it wasn't breaking at all. It was completely fine, but we decided to take our bikes to a bike shop and get them tuned up. Like, they were both, you know, fully operational, um, but we're like, you know, they could probably be better. Let's take them to professionals because we do a lot of our own stuff. But like, let's yeah. take it to a shop and, you know, like, splurge a little bit and, like, 
get some good miles in yeah. on like some you know you know tuned bikes and we take it to the bike shop we leave it there overnight and then we go back the next morning and they're like your wheel's broken <laughs> <laughs> we're like what do you mean and they were tightening the spokes uh to it's you true the wheel to make it perfectly vertical and it's just more efficient um and so they're tightening the spoke and they tightened it so much that it ripped through the rim and which compromised the you know the structural integrity of the wheel yeah and they're like you can still ride on it but know that it will break at some point like it'll just fold on you everything will give out <laughs> and um but they're like we've got this other wheel uh that's 280 dollars you could buy right now and we'll replace it for you and we were like screw you guys like no way like whether it was an honest accident or you guys are like trying to make 280 bucks off of us yeah you know whatever like we're not like, you guys screwed up. Yeah, we're getting out of here. We'll ride it as long as it can, and we'll deal with you know, the, the consequences. Repercussions, yeah, the yeah. repercussions, exactly. And so we left, and that night we're riding up this hill. We had rode all day, probably taking a nap, and then we were riding into the night, and we're going up this big hill, you know, <laughs> and then Raymond's like, my wheel's starting to feel funny, man. I'm like, dude, we're almost at the top. <laughs> And, like, just keep on going. And then we almost made it to the top, and then, like, it really started to wobble on him. And then he got off and walked to the top. And then from the top of the hill, we could see the next town, which was Clinton, Oklahoma. This was in Oklahoma. Wait. No, it was Dakota. Dakota, Oklahoma. Which is where Carrie Underwood is from. Fun okay. fact. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so we rolled into town and uh, just, you know barely and we ended up sleeping behind the walmart <laughs> we just slept in the like right on the edge of the woods that was behind the walmart and um then we decided that we would try to hitchhike the next day we looked it up online and the next there wasn't a bike shop in Dakota, but there was a bike shop in oklahoma city which was 100 miles west in the same direction so like all right we'll wake up tomorrow you know and just hitchhike to Oklahoma City, get to the bike shop, do whatever it takes. We get, and we were, we were riding on um, I-40, uh, the interstate. Um, we were riding on the shoulder at that point. Just We'd been on the shoulder of, no, that's when we, it's about when we started riding on I-40. Um, so we get out onto the interstate, we're underneath an overpass, and we throw our thumbs up and we start hitchhiking. And we also, we made a sign, a piece of cardboard, said Oklahoma City. And like two hours into it, you know, no one's you know, looked twice at us. And we're like, this sucks. And so got another piece of cardboard and I wrote please on it. And, you know, he was at, he ended up going onto the overpass and he was like holding up the Oklahoma City sign. And I was down below with the please sign. We're like, you know, trying to get people's attention. Like we seriously need to get there. And we need you to do it, <laughs> please. And um, like two, I think two people stopped, like small cars that couldn't have possibly yeah. carried us. They're like, do you guys need help? It's like, yeah, but the help we need is a ride. Like, you know, we're good. Thanks for stopping, but you know, you can't really help us. And then we were there for five hours. Oh my 
and I'm when I say like hundreds of single men uh, with pickup trucks with nothing in the bed of their truck drove past and like you know did everything they could to avoid eye contact. Yeah, that was devastating. <laughs> hundreds. I mean, hun- there's so much traffic on I-40, and uh, you know it's, it's it's Oklahoma. Like almost everyone, everyone and their mother has a truck. Okay. You know? And no one would stop and pick us up. And it's it was like the next major town. Oklahoma yeah, yeah. City is the next major town. Like people weren't like, oh, I'm only going a little bit. It wasn't a it wasn't too big of an ask. No, it wasn't. Like it it, it would have taken 10, 15 extra minutes of their time, possibly twenty, and you know, we would have gotten to talk and you know, we would have shared some stories or whatever. Like, you know, not a big deal at all in my eyes. Um, but you know, no one helped us. So we decided to go to the gas station that was around the corner. Um, and we were there for about four hours, um, you know, with the signs, like asking people. We're going up to like, people at the gas pumps, like, hey, you know, we're trying to get to the city. They're like, no, sorry. Still selling, still selling. Yeah, really trying. And, um, you know, we're not getting anyone. A couple people were, like, you know, giving us a few bucks. And, like, we were like, we don't need money. We need a ride. And... Uh, this one lady walked inside, bought a couple of sandwiches, a couple of Gatorades, and then just like put it next to our stuff while we like walked away for a few seconds. So that was really nice. Really appreciated that. Uh, you know, people were really willing to you know give us a few dollars or you know buy us food and drinks, whatever. But no one wanted to give us a ride. So we're at this gas station for four hours. No luck. And there's a gas station across the street. It's like, all right, let's try that gas station. You know, let's switch it up. We've been here for so long. I'm getting. Tired. Yeah, I'm getting tired of this shit. And so we go to the other gas station, and pretty much the same story. Uh, people are like trying to give us money, da da da. And then three hours later, uh, we started at noon. We started hitchhiking at noon, and at this point, it's midnight, and we're literally sitting. We're on the ground, sitting in front of this gas station, with our bikes posted up like next to us, and the signs like above our heads, Oklahoma City, please, <laughs> you know. And this dude walks in and he walks back out. He's like, y'all need a ride? And we're like, yes. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to Oklahoma City, but I'm going to Shawnee. It's 80 miles in the same direction. Um, I can take you there. We're like, yes, please. Thank you. Like, Thank yeah, you. It's like, you. get us out of this town, please. And he's like, uh, you know, the cab's full. I've got my family in the cab with me, but y'all can sit in the back of the truck. We're like, that's totally fine. And then I, he walks us over to the truck and it's this flatbed truck. Uh, and, and I was like, is it legal for us to sit on the back of the flatbed truck, like um, on the interstate? He was like, what's a farm truck? And I was like, dude, if that's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. Like, <laughs> I don't give a sh- I was just like, you know, trying to be polite. Like, I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, but so we strap our bikes. He had some winch straps. We strapped them down on the back. And we were sitting on the fuel tank on the back of this truck. Like, you know, there's no walls, definitely no seat belts. We're, Just wasn't safe. No. And we're going down the interstate. Um, and he's literally passing everyone on the interstate. Like, this man's hauling ass. And... Uh, going at least, you know, 80, 90. And we're just on the back. It's midnight, and it's it's pretty cold. You know, Oklahoma's not exactly a desert, but the temperature still drops pretty good at night. 
we've got our rain jackets on, slapping <laughs> in the wind super hard. And uh, it was actually like really pretty because we're out in the middle of nowhere between Shakota and Shawnee. And um, so the stars were incredible. And just like the visual, the, the whole scene was pretty awesome. But uh, it was like an hour ride. Um, and then we get there to this guy's prop. Well, first stopped at a gas station, got a couple snacks, and then got back on the road, get to his property. And he owned um, a ranch uh, that also had a rodeo arena. Oh, wow. And um, yeah. And so well, first we went inside and his wife like, uh, she just like gave us some like snacks or something. We were like up talking for like at least another 45 minutes. And at this point it's like one in the morning and I thought we were just going to go straight to bed. And the man was like, yeah, back in my day, like I was in Alaska panning for gold and all this stuff. And, you know, we weren't, Wild yeah, stuff. we were just like listening to everything he had to say. And, uh, and then he's like, all right, well, you guys can, you know, set up camp in that uh, tower over there. And it was like the rodeo arena announcer tower. Oh, dope. Yeah, just like this sweet little outpost thing where we set up and, and then they were up at the crack of dawn, like doing farm stuff. And so we got up, like got all of our stuff packed up and helped them out with a few things and then had breakfast with them. And, uh, and then he took, and then it ended up, he was like, well, there's actually a bike shop in Shawnee. I can just take you to that one. We're like, perfect. Yeah. That's like better for you, better for us. Um, so it took us there and then, you know, that was another whole ordeal in itself but just that ride getting the ride hitchhiking for 12 hours just getting denied for 12 hours and just was really stressful uh that was actually the first time i ever smoked um tobacco while being sober <laughs> uh raymond went inside and bought a black and mild this is probably like 11 o'clock and sitting in front of the gas station and uh Went in, bought a wood wine tip, black and mild, and he comes out and he's smoking it. He's like, you want to hit it? And I'm like, yeah, I'll hit it. You know, I'm so fed up right yeah. now. And I didn't even realize how stressed out I was until I hit it and felt myself, like, come down. Like, I, from that, like, high buzzing, like, oh, my God, like, please, someone yeah. just help us. <laughs> and, that, and then I hit it. I was like, Wow. That's when I first like that was my first experience with like uh, the actual effects of tobacco. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which you know, I actually like, but because um, before that I'd only ever hit like a few cigarettes yeah. while drinking and stuff. Yeah. And so you know you can't really tell what it is what, when you're drunk. Um, but yeah, so that was a cool experience as well. But yeah, the whole thing and his name was um, Louis Gold, and he said it kind of fast the first time I thought his name was Luigo <laughs> like his first name I thought it was Luigo so I called him Luigo like five times and uh, he didn't say anything I don't know if you even noticed but uh, yeah that was that was just a wild thing that happened um, hell yeah that's awesome like I'm glad because it just shows that you were able to push through something and um, even through all doubt and a lot of people experience that daily with like with rejection, people are scared of rejection, putting themselves out there. But I mean, like, this entire trip, you were like, dad, no, mom, no, friends, no. And you were just like, dude, I don't care, I'm going. And if that's the mindset, you're gonna get it done.
and you could see that with anything. The thing that happened that had the most impact on me was definitely finding the dogs. Um, because, you know, we ended up adopting them and she's been a part of my life since then. So that's, you know, had the most. Impact. Tell us all about that. Yeah. Right. So um, it was our first night in Arizona. Uh, we rode into this little town called Sanders, Arizona. And um, we went to the Dollar Tree just to pick up some. <laughs> Supplies. We we went to a lot of Dollar Trees across America, and because uh, you know we were on such a tight budget, and you know just eating, um, and so we asked the lady, the register in the Dollar Tree or whatever, um, like, hey, do you know of any like parks or churches or fire stations anywhere around here? Uh, you know, because we're trying to find a place to sleep. Because if if you don't know, um, if you're traveling or like just in need, um, churches and fire stations will typically host you oh. for like a night or two, or like they'll let you camp on their property, um, and they won't usually bat an eye or like they're normally really cool. So she was like, "Yeah, there's a fire station like just down the street, yeah. and like literally like a hundred, two hundred yards down the street was this fire station, <clears throat> and it was already like." eight o'clock it was nighttime and we um you know right up to the fire station knock on the door like hey and they're like you know i mean we look terrible <laughs> and you know, we've got this these big bikes with all this stuff and they you know we just get weird eyes that's the first reaction every time is weird eyes and uh like hey you know we're, we're biking here from florida uh would it be pot like would it be possible if we you know camped out back or something and they're like oh uh yeah we've got a little fenced in yard if you guys just want to like walk your bikes around back um you know i'll show you around and so went around and they ended up being super cool uh a lot of the like police officers were at the fire station just then for dinner like the firefighters were doing a, a big dinner that night and so we got some leftovers of that and um, and then they gave us a tour of the whole fire station. Like we got to go up in the fire trucks and the ambulances, and they're like showing us all their cool toys. Oh, that's yeah, and, and then we were just like sitting in their living room, and they're telling us all these crazy stories. I mean, like they see the craziest shit that happens. Like they're the people that call when, that get called when shit hits the fan. So they're and they're hitting us with all the worst ones. Like especially people on bikes getting hit. Like that's <laughs> that's what they decided to share with us. And. Um, and so, you know, that just went on for a while. And we we're talking about like getting bit by. I was asking, like, you know, what should I do if I get bit by a snake? Like, should I, should someone try to suck it out? They're like, no, it's a myth, and which it is a myth. Uh, also, I was like, well, what if I just chugged like two gallons of water? Would it like dilute my blood enough? And they're like, no, it doesn't work. Like, you need antivenom. Um, and then they're like, yeah, if you, if you're out in the desert, and you get bit by a venomous snake uh, and you need like a helicopter to pick you up, um, it's going to end up costing about a quarter mil. Uh, that's going to be like your medical bill. It's between the helicopter and, you know, all the doctors and the nurses, but like largely the anti-venom because it's hard for them to tell how much venom was injected into you and they want to give you around like 10 
to like 12 vials of antivenom. And each vial costs about 10 grand. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're like little vials, but like oh my God. each one's 10 yeah. Gs. Yeah. So it's, so it's like, you know, you're, lay, you're laying there and you just got bit by the snake. And it's like, all right. Let's <laughs> not call. Yeah. Do I want to have a $250,000 bill and, you know, definitely survive or not and possibly survive? <laughs> it's a tough decision to make. But anyway, we're... We're like, all right, you know, good night, guys. And they told us, you know, just make sure you close all the gates in the yard because there's a lot of stray dogs around here. You know, you don't want them messing with you at night. All right, thanks. Uh, So we closed the gates. And then they gave me a cot to sleep on. And Raymond set up his hammock between uh, the two trees that were in the yard. And um, so I wake up the next morning fairly early. And I look over at my stuff, which is just piled up on the ground. Um, and like, there was like rustling, you know, my stuff was like moving around. And then I saw that it was two puppies. Like, oh, wow. Two puppies, they'd gotten through the fence because they were so small. And um, we're like trying to get into my food. <laughs> and so they're like digging around through my shit. And, uh, and then I, I move around to where they could see me, and then they, they saw me. And so they came around into the yard, and I was, like, trying to play with them. I mean, they're so freaking cute. Like, yeah. Like, really cute puppies. Not mangy, not nothing for being stray dogs. Yeah. Like, good-looking little pups. And um, so I'm playing with them, and this one, the darker one, uh, was, like, all up on me, like, super loving. And the other one was more of, like, a strawberry blonde. Uh, was like kind of along the perimeter, like looking at me, like checking me out. Like, you know, who are you? What are you yeah. doing? What's your deal? And I was like, immediately, as soon as I saw that there's two puppies, I was like, there's a chance we could take these dogs, like for sure. <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, what are the chances? You know, like, yeah. how could I not take these dogs? It was just like, it was all coming together. Like, you know, <laughs> we are meant to take these dogs sort of thing. I was, that's what I was picking up. And um, so I was looking at that other one, the one that I was, like, really, like, thinking and, like, checking out the situation. I was like, if we take these dogs, I want that one. <laughs> and so, and then Raymond's still asleep in the hammock. And so I pick up the dark one, and I walk over to him, and, I, like, I kind of hit her around my hip. Um, they are both girls. And uh, I was like, I bumped him. I was like, Raymond... He's like, mm. he's, he's a pretty hard person to wake up. I was like, Raymond, I was like, we've got a, we've got a big problem. And, you know, that can mean a lot of things at yeah. this point. We're on day, like, 40, 45. Like, a lot of shit had happened. You know, that, <laughs> that was, that's a, the worst thing I could have said, really. <laughs> and uh, he rolls over and he's like, what, dude? What is it? And I was like, there's puppies. And I literally just, like, dropped it onto his chest and he's like Whoa! lost it you know he's a dog person through and through and uh within 30 seconds he's like are we keeping them <laughs> i was like dude i don't know like there's a lot of questions that need to be answered before we can you know confidently take these dogs and um and then within five ten minutes of playing with him he's like i want this one it was, it was the dark one and i was like good because i already called the other one <laughs> And so we're talking with the firefighters. They're, like, getting ready for the day whatnot. They've already probably been up for hours. And uh, 
they're like, yeah, if you guys want those dogs, you can have them. Like, they don't belong to anyone. Like, good, good, good. just tons of stray dogs around here, and you know, people put food out for them to like help them survive and stuff. But like, you know, and like, who's to say like, I mean, those dogs didn't belong to anyone. Like, they could have died the next day, or gotten picked up by like a hawk or a coyote. Like, I mean, for sure, we were in the desert. This was a small town. This town had like, I mean. 200 structures including homes <laughs> like small town in the desert like and not another town for 60 miles in any direction and it was all desert between there and there so you know this, it was a it was gonna be a tough life for these dogs you know regardless regardless and so we're like okay so we have the green light on taking them but how are we going to take them and so at first we just took the towels that we had with us and tried to do one of those like baby wrap things, you know, um, like moms carry around their babies in those sashes. And uh, first of all, there's not enough fabric in the towel to like really lock get it, them in. To, yeah, to lock it in. But also, it's a puppy and they like to move, and Isn't we're on bicycles, so this thing's trying to like jump escape out. the whole, and we're kidnapping them essentially. Like they don't know who the hell we are, like. All of a sudden, we're just taking them somewhere else. You know, they're trying to get away from us, and uh, so yeah, they're trying to escape while attached to my chest while I'm on a bike on the side of a highway with semi trucks blowing past me all day long. It's like that's not safe um, for me or the dog. Uh, and so there's a gas station next door, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna go ask to see if they have a spare cardboard box. So I did, and they did. They gave it to me. Went back, bungee strapped the box to Raymond's bike. We moved some stuff around. I took like the tent permanently, and then uh, and it fit. And we got him in there. We tied it shut, and we were ready to rock. <laughs> and uh, and then we took the dogs, and it was crazy. Like I mean, they would they didn't have like a whole lot of space in there, which is a good thing. Um, and they did like so you. Put- so you put both the dogs on both one? dogs in the one box, yeah. Okay. And, uh, I mean, they could still move around and stuff, uh, but not enough to where they could, like, get a running start, like, hit the side of the box or anything, because, yeah. like, it would knock Raymond. Um, but it was, like, it was ridiculously cute. Like, you know, the box had handles on each side, and they'd stick their head through, like, the handle hole. <laughs> it was, like, such a scene, you know? Like, because I was, I was always riding behind Raymond um, for that period of time, because... In case one of the dogs got out, I'd be able to stop. Or if I saw the box like slipping or anything, like I was yeah. just you know the watchman at that point. Um, so I was just got to watch the dogs like trying to get out of the box like all day long for days. And um, and then we eventually ended up getting one of those child trailers that you tow behind a bicycle. Okay. Um, we picked up one of those in Vegas. Okay. And uh, and then that's how we got them transported back. them the rest of the way which was way easier um, than dealing with the box. But it was two extra wheels on the ground and more weight. So it was, it was more of a load, but saved in hassle, like, a lot. Yeah. And then we eventually found out that they were sisters. Um, we kind of had a hunch the whole time, but, like, we happened to run into, like, a dog expert. <laughs> and, uh, he, like, within five seconds, he's like, yeah, they're sisters. And we're like, oh, how do you know? He's like, the ears and the tail and, you know, all this stuff. And we're like, all right, it's good enough for me. Um, and, yeah, like, just 
having the dogs added um, extra weight, obviously, because now we have two dogs. They each weighed about seven pounds. They're like like six weeks, seven week old puppies. Like they were young, like yeah, yeah, yeah. almost too early to take, even though they're already on their own. Like yeah. when they found us, they were on their own. Um, but so we had them, which is 14 pounds, and then their food, which was typically a five to eight pound bag. And then we had to carry water for them, which is, you know, could easily be 10 pounds. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was a lot to add on, on top of our already, you know, excessively heavy packs. But like I said before, it was like, it was kind of like we were meant to take those dogs, even yeah. though like, I, I don't know if I believe in, you know, uh, fate or anything like that, but you know, it seemed like it at the time. So, yeah, the, the so it added extra weight, but it also really brought down like Erased the any morale. tension and like other pressures. It was like we could just get to camp each night and just watch the dogs, and it was like it was absolutely fascinating because like they're in such. Um, in a time of their lives with like just such quick development and uh, like dominance flipped every single day. Like one dog, one of them, so their names are Arizona, mine is Arizona, and then Raymond's is Ariana. And um, so like one day Ariana would just be like just beating, uh, just bullying Arizona. She wouldn't stand a chance. Like she wasn't fast enough to get away. She couldn't yeah. make the moves. And then the next day Arizona would just be you know, mopping the floor with Ariana. Oh, that's <laughs> like, hilarious. It was crazy. And like, just, and they were, but they're always together. Like never were they more than like eight feet apart. Just <sighs> two peas in a pot. Like just, if one checked something out, the other one went and checked it out and then go and check out something else and check something. Like, always just so curious. And eventually they found out, they re- like quickly they realized that we were feeding them and watering them and we were keeping them warm at night and uh, things like that. And it was actually kind of one of the one of the, one crazy thing that happened. Uh, it's probably like the sixth night we had them. When we slept outside, we had them tied to us so that they wouldn't <laughs> run away. Run away. Uh, even they never did, um, or even tried. Like we didn't get wake woke up like with them pulling or anything. But one night, I don't know if like my knot just slipped or I don't know. Was, she got off of the rope, and I I woke up randomly. I guess I heard her, um, but I like pulled the rope and she wasn't at the end of it. And I turned around, she was right behind me, and she was hyperventilating, like really badly, <laughs> like freaking out. And, like I could just see panic in her face. And I just pulled her in, and because it was also pretty cold outside, and I was in a sleeping bag. And they always just slept in the sleeping bags with us. It was like stupid cute, but um, uh, and I just like calmed her down for like 20 minutes at like two in the morning just like you know just breathing with her and like you know petting her trying to like make soothing noises and whatnot and then eventually she calmed down and fell asleep it was like yeah i mean me and that dog like um she's a special dog for sure and uh so made it to washington lived with me and just that was uh two and a half years ago now uh, so, wow. yeah, she's she's an amazing dog. They're both really smart and uh, just have such personalities and 
just beautiful and uh people like all my friends like love my dog and that's that's that means so much to me like that I can just take her anywhere and like all my friends are just stoked that she's there and like that's the kind of dog she is too like I bring her everywhere I can if I'm not going into like a building for very long like she's coming with yeah for sure and like she loves swimming like even though she's from the desert like, <laughs> first time she saw water she bolted in oh, that's awesome. after a duck but yeah <laughs> She's like fearless, absolutely fearless. Like, yeah, she's she's my favorite dog. Yeah, dude, that's an awesome story. That must have been quite. I was thinking about it. it must have been quite the dilemma when you guys were trying to hitchhike. Now it's yeah. not just you two, but you got two pups. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's us, two people, two bikes, two dogs in a trailer <laughs> that we hitchhiked with on multiple times. Yeah. So, so how'd that last? little thousand mile gap how that how'd you go about that how'd you come to that decision the part that we hitchhiked yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so i think that the very end we ended up hitchhiking 500 miles okay or 600 we'd hiked we'd hitchhiked a good bit and random bits along the way yeah um for tons of different reasons uh but it was it was uh thanksgiving thanksgiving was a contributing factor for sure that was coming up we were going to yeah. be late if we tried to bike it uh it was mainly the rain because we we camped um in the redwood forest which i'm not entirely sure is legal but we did it and um we uh, we got dumped on so the, what really set the tone was it was raining all night and i was in my hammock and i had a tarp strung up over well actually it wasn't strung up it was just laying on top of me and raining all night and the water kept pooling on the tarp in my lap oh so my I, I would literally God. have like a bucket of water in my lap while I'm sleeping and it's like 50 degrees outside maybe like high 40s it's pretty cold like don't want to get wet right yeah. now I'm trying to sleep you know and um in Arizona was on my chest and so every like 45 minutes all night long I'd have to get up and like shimmy Arizona over and then dump the water out of the tarp onto the ground which isn't an easy task any time of day Um, but I had to do it all throughout the night and then eventually at like four in the morning I was I was super dazed and um, I went to dump it and I didn't hear it splash and I saw about a gallon and a half of water just seeped into my hammock Oh my and god. And it's cold water too. It like just whoosh, flushed in. And uh I I just took it. I was like, I don't even care at this point. I'm like for the next two and a half hours until the sun rose, I was just sopping wet in my <laughs> hammock. Just you hate like your breaking point. <laughs> trying to stay warm, yeah. And uh and then <laughs> woke as soon as like any light came in at all. Like the sun hadn't risen yet, but it was you know, dawn was coming. And I got out of my hammock and I went down and found Raymond and he had had equally as horrible of a night, if not worse. Uh, and so we hit, we just packed up all of our stuff. We got on the road and now everything, our sleeping bags, like everything is soaked. So now everything weighs five times as much as it normally does. And we biked probably like eight or 10 miles to this gas station. Um, uh, where we tried to hitchhike from and eventually 
this lady picks, she pulls over in this truck and like we're standing outside, it's raining. We've got the two dogs with all of our shit and we're hitchhiking, just getting dumped on. And eventually this lady pulls over and she's like, I can't let you guys in my truck, but you guys can sit in the back. And uh, I've got like an extra blanket, whatever. And I'm going up to Florence, Portland, or Florence, Oregon. And we were just north of the Redwoods in California. So it was a good ride. It ended up being a three hour ride that we were in the back of this truck, getting rained on, yeah. it's freezing, yeah. so cold. And, uh, and then she dropped us off at a laundromat in Florence so that we could do our laundry and get everything dry. And she, like before she left, she handed me like a little wad of cash and it ended up being like 80 bucks. Oh, wow. I was like, damn, like, thank you so much. Um, actually, well, she gave it to me and then she walked away or she drove away. And I looked at it, I was like, holy shit, it's 80 bucks. Like, that's a lot of money. That wasn't needed, yeah. Well, like, it helped a bunch at she that point. She did a massive but, favor, yeah. but like. And then the next day, we woke, we still hadn't, actually, I think that night we pretty much decided it. Like, all right, we're, we're just going to get to Washington. We're going to get to Kirkland, hitchhiking. You know, we can't, after looking at the forecast, it's, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, it's not worth fighting that hard. Also, yeah. Thanksgiving is in two days. I'd like to be there with my sister and my friend Matt, who also lived in the area. Like, it'd be good if we could just do that, you know? It'd be better. I think it wouldn't be worth just struggling this out just to say that we biked yeah. the whole way. Um, and so we actually saw the same lady at the grocery store the following day. And she goes to hand me another little wad of cash. And she's like, like happy like Thanksgiving. Like, happy Thanksgiving. Like, please just take it. And it, I saw a one on the outside of it. Like, it was a $1 bill. Some other money inside of it. I was like, all right, thank you. Like, can't thank you enough. You know, yeah, yeah. you're an amazing lady. She was very kind in more ways than just that. Um, and she left, and I opened it up, and it was 200 bucks. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, wow. Like, Who that's, are you? Yeah, that was amazing. Like, obviously, she was able to do that. Um, but like still like so kind. Um, and so from there we got a ride to, so like it wasn't like this big, you know, I can't believe we're going to have to hitchhike the rest of the way. Yeah. Cause we're like, we'd already hitchhiked some miles. Um, so it wasn't like this hitching was tarnishing like the integrity of the trip yeah, or anything yeah. like that. Cause it wasn't the beginning. I didn't want to hitchhike in the beginning because of that reason like I wanted to bike the whole way but after that point it was like you know let's, let's just, just yeah we, we've suffered enough and I, it'd be cool to get there on time and stuff like that yeah uh, so we caught a ride we biked from Florence to like the next town up it was only a few miles and then this dude was like he picked us up and he was like well do you guys just want to stay the night at my house and then I can take you the next morning and we're like, sure. <laughs> yeah. And so we stayed the night at this guy's house. Super nice. You know, fed us dinner and breakfast. And then um, he took us into Eugene. From Eugene, we caught a ride with this really cool lady and her baby. They were driving a, this big camper van. Uh, they drove us from Eugene to Portland. And then in Portland, within a few hours, we got a ride 
these three people in like this Honda Civic, right? Uh, five seater car, small five seater car. It's like a like a mid '90s one with a bike rack on the back. They pulled over and they're like, "Hey, where are you going?" We talked about it. They're like, "We're going the same way." Like, you know, let's get your stuff. We like crammed as much stuff as we, we had to like take the bike rack off, put all of our stuff into the trunk, reinstall the bike rack, and then we still had a lap some of our gear, including the dogs in the back seat. So like these people were way cool yeah. for like letting us do this. Two of them were from Scotland and another was uh, this Canadian chick and just, they were all traveling and um, we ended up working it out to where they were going to stay with me at my house where they were driving me to uh, for a few days. Okay. Um, just cause there was like a, a gap in their traveling that they didn't really have figured out yet. And then, you know, they picked us up and, you know, I was like, you guys can just stay at my house. You know, <laughs> I haven't even been there yet, but you're more than welcome to stay. Uh, and so they drove us all the way to Kirkland. They pull, you know, we pull into the freaking parking garage. Renee comes down, my little sister, because she had flown there two months prior. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, went upstairs and they stayed with us for a few days. We they did Thanksgiving with us, and uh, yeah, we made it. You know? That's awesome, <laughs> dude. That's awesome. So I love even that. Though we hitchhiked at the end. Like it was still. It's always an adventure. Like hitchhiking, crazy stuff can still happen hitchhiking. It wasn't like it, it wasn't lesser of a trip because we didn't bike it. I don't yeah. think we still had so we gained so much from that. So it was worth it to me in every way. Yeah, and now going into that, what were the major lessons from this trip, the major takeaways? I love that you were giving back even when you're like, dude, I don't even know where we're going, but I got a house somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first one was definitely just like, if you've got a good feeling about something, like to just stick to it. Or like, I think I'd read... The Alchemist, like right before the trip. And like, I don't know if you've read that. It's really, it's one of my favorite books. It's all about following your heart and uh, just like listening and being honest with yourself and just like doing what you think is right, even though it is out of the norm, might seem crazy. Uh, people are telling you not to. Yeah. You just follow your heart. Just oh, yeah. listen. Um, so that's, that was a major lesson. And then also, a uh, quick little story for this lesson. Um, we were going from like green something to like um, Greenwood. And like both towns were named green something. And these ladies at the Dollar Tree at the first town were like, you know, before you go to the next, like be careful going to the next town. Like it's super dangerous. Like, you know, high crime rate, whatever. We're like, okay, thanks. Like, we have to go through it one way or another. Um, And so we get into the next town, and they were nicer than the people in the town before that. And and we met this dude who had, like, six tears tatted on his face. Like, and he was like, you guys should come to my apartment, like, after, and, like, you know, we'll hang out. And, like, I really wanted to. Uh, I, we didn't. I actually, that's, I regret that. That's like, I regret not going. We were like dead beat tired. But then like, like everywhere we went, it was like, 
people speak ill of you know their neighbors like they're over there like they're bad like or like you don't go to this place you know it's dangerous don't trust them you know just be careful it's like we pretty much heard that the whole way across that was like a very direct example um but like people only got nicer <laughs> that's not to say like people get nicer out west i think it like it also had to do with us being more comfortable with strangers and stuff along the way but it was like Dude, if you're nice, if you put out just a neutral, you know, I'm not here to cause any issues sort of, you know, um, vibe, uh, then 99.999% of the time, you're going to receive that back, you know? For sure. Unless you, like, literally encounter someone completely out of their mind and pissed off, you know, if you're acting that way, nothing bad is going to happen to you. And so the lesson is like, first of all, don't listen to what other people say if they don't have direct experience. Uh, Cause people just talk shit to, to talk out of their asses, you know, they, cause they're afraid. And so, and then don't listen to those people and then don't be afraid uh, of going out and just throwing yourself into some new place with new people because pretty much from, from my experience, like, everyone's pretty good. I know there's, like, bad people out there. I'm, I'm not saying there's not. But they typically don't hang out where most people hang out. Yeah. I feel like they're off in their own little corner being yeah. mad and stuff. Uh, so I would just, like, trust uh, in, you know, the universe. And uh, don't be afraid of it. Just go for the experience. Yeah, dude, I absolutely love that. And I've seen that in my life several times where you just, dude, when I booked my trip to Thailand, we had two, we had the first four days booked and we didn't know what else we were doing. And we're just like, you see what happens when you get there. And like, there's not, there's nothing better than that. Right. So we got like 15 minutes left. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of curious, how was your stay in Washington? Mm -hmm. And what have you done since? Okay. First got there, I took like a month off. <laughs> Didn't do a thing. Like walked around town, just you know, went to dog parks with Arizona and uh just was really just getting a feel for the area. But then I was like, all right, I'm out of money again, like completely, and uh I need a job. So I went and got a job doing labor at this uh condo that was being built pretty much across the street. So that was super convenient. Worked that for about three and a half months. And then I went and did, I started the Pacific Crest Trail with my friend Matt. Uh, if you don't know what the Pacific Crest Trail is, it's a hiking trail that goes from the border of Mexico to the Canadian border <laughs> through California, Oregon, and Washington. Um, I only did, I was on it for four, four and a half months. And so I was hiking for that period of time and I did the length of California so I, I hiked the length of California essentially except you know it's it's a trail through the mountains so it's super zigzaggy it was about 1500 miles that we hiked I gotta pause it <laughs> dude that is so you're telling me you finally finished your bike across America the whole goal is get to Washington have the have the good enjoyable Thanksgiving and just 
kind of relax the year out. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so how did you come up with this idea with Matt? And then what was it that drew you to that tr- that trip? And that- yeah. Well, it wasn't my idea at all. Uh, Matt and his girlfriend, Sarah, at the time, um, it was completely their baby. Like they, were like, they were like, we're doing it. You know, we've got pretty much it all worked out. And then he was like, do you want to come with? Like, do you just want to tag along? I was like, shit, dude. Like, first of all, I've got to figure out if I can afford it. That's pretty much it. If I can afford it, I'll go. <laughs> and because, um, you know, I'm not tied up to a lease or anything. Like, yeah, I was yeah. completely mobile, um, even though I was, you know, stationary. And uh, so, like, literally all I had to do was buy the gear and prep a bunch of food and go. Like, I didn't have to do any planning. I didn't really have to think about anything. It's like, it's all already worked out. Yeah. Um, so I just tagged along on that one. And, uh, yeah, spent four and a half months out in the wilderness. So where'd you start and then how'd you get there? Um, uh, Cause you said you did all of California. Right, the hike starts in Campo, California, which is like almost directly south of San Diego. Okay. I'm sure. And then how'd you get there? You took a fall. Yeah, a so we flew from Washington to San Diego. We were there for like two nights. We just like slept on the beach. <laughs> and uh, no, we were there. F- we, we were there for two nights. We slept on the beach the first night, and then the second night, we stayed with this couple that um, the names are Frodo. Oh, shoot. What's the guy's name? The girl's, the lady's name is Frodo. Yeah. And, um, uh, oh, shoot. Matt's going to be pissed at me for not remembering his name. I, I totally know it. Um, but anyway, they're very nice and they hosted a bunch of hikers that were, cause it's a pretty popular thing actually. The Pacific okay, Crest Trail. Really? It's, do you know the Appalachian Trail? Yeah. yeah it's one of the sister trails. Okay. It's the same thing essentially on the West coast. Um, so, you know, couple thousand people do it every year okay um and so they were hosting they host hikers every night and then they shuttle them to the start of the, oh, that's awesome. of the trail yeah it's amazing and they don't you don't pay them um they share the goodness of their yeah they, that they're what we call trail angels and there's yeah. there's a bunch of those along the way okay um they're not like you know, incorporated or anything like that. They're just yeah. people that either have done it or just know what it's about and just want to help out. Yeah. Um, so they're a, a special breed for sure. Um, but yeah, that was, I mean, a whole another thing in itself. That was, that was four and a half months. So it was double the length of the bike trip. Yeah. But it, it's felt shorter. I think it's because we were just in nature the entire time. Um, like the bike trip, you know, we were on the side of the road the whole time. So there's always traffic. We're going through towns. You see it. So like, yeah, we're like running into different people. Like, yeah, there's like checkpoints, you know. Um, the trail, it was like, well, we did the desert. The desert was 700 miles. And then the Sierra Nevadas was like 270 miles. And then Northern California was another uh, 500 miles or something. And and how'd you get the materials to survive the trip or did you carry that or this is when my packing really got dialed in because uh, <laughs> now the weight just isn't on my bike it's on my back which you feel a lot more okay um, so but I still had a heavy pack as far as your typical Normal. hiker went yeah, yeah. Um, 
But so the way you do food or the way that we did food is that there are towns that are close to the trail. And so we would mail in food that I prepped beforehand. Okay. Uh, so then you I'd go ship a box out. full of food, you know, dehydrated veg, you know, whatever it is. Bars, yeah, all sorts of food. I'd ship it to those towns. We would either hike from the trail to the town or get to a road and hitchhike uh, into the town and then get our stuff, repack our bags, and then get back on the trail and start hiking again. And so. And how often was that? That you had to go off the trail. We wouldn't carry food for more than nine days. Okay. That nine days is our longest carry. Okay. So anywhere between four to nine. And sometimes a trail would even like like come right alongside of town. So it tells you. It's like grab your food. <laughs> yeah. And, or we would just go into a town that we didn't send food to and just go to a grocery store or a gas station and whatnot and just resupply there and uh, carry it. So our packs... I think the heaviest pack I carried was like 55 pounds, um, which is, it hurt a lot, actually. Especially the the first four days were brutal. Like every night I was falling asleep and my legs were just like shaking um, and aching and and it was cold. I was ill-prepared there too. I didn't have a good enough sleeping bag and in the desert it was dropping to like, you know, freezing temperatures every single night. And uh, so... It was honestly probably good for my legs <laughs> to get that cold, but it wasn't very good for my sleep. Uh, but even then, I was passing out just because of how tired I was every day. You know, yeah, we, were, yeah. we were hiking between like 14 and 24 miles a day. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. And then, so what made you guys stop in California? And we got like a couple minutes left but what made you stop in California and then what have you done since really quickly yeah um, basically ran out of money is why I had to stop and it just so happened that it was like at the very end of California good exit point yeah and um, since then uh, I went back to Washington lived there for a few more months um, got a carpentry job and then I did the snowboarding trip in Canada with my boys from Hawaii that was like a week long that was pretty amazing and then moved back to Florida this past January of 2019. Okay. Um, so last year. And in October, well, I guess September, uh, me, Matt, and my other friend Joey, we did a month-long trip down to Mexico. Started oh, wow. in Washington, hitchhiked and trained down to the border to, to, San, to Los Angeles, caught a bus from Los Angeles into Tijuana. And then in, from Tijuana, we hitchhiked and bust all the way down to La Paz. So that's the Baja Peninsula. Okay. That long, you know, yeah. leg on the west side of Mexico. Um, and then we stayed in La Paz for three weeks. Doing, oh, wow. Doing work away, which is this program. It's kind of like woofing. If you've heard of that, that one's a little more popular. Uh, you work... It's a work trade. Like you, yeah, you work to live. You work a few day, few hours a day, and they give you a place to stay and a few meals and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. So we did that at this hostel called Peace Hostel in the Paws. Okay. Go check it out. Uh, they're the bomb. And we had such an amazing time there and got to meet a bunch of locals. And like I think that's my new way of travel, honestly, is work away. Uh, just because of how um, involved you get in the community and stuff like that. Um, and then got back in October, and then also did a road trip up the up the East Coast with my buddy Connor, like a month before that. Yeah. Um, 
And then I've just been hanging out, um, working again, uh, you know, just another odd job until I go into the Coast Guard, <laughs> assuming the coronavirus doesn't wipe us all out before that. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and so the past few months now, it's just been like dealing with corona and stuff, and that pretty much brings us up to date. Wow, that's quite the story. I love the constant adventure, constant looking for something different. Constantly broke. Constantly broke. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, dude, for me, this has been really cool because I've known and I've seen the travels and I've heard about them, but I haven't gotten the first hand. Tell me all about it. Let's see what's going on. Um, so do you have any closing thoughts, any remarks, anything, or we're good to go? Uh, you know, pretty much just excited to see what comes next. I mean, the Coast Guard is my next adventure. That's going to be a whole another beast in itself like yeah. it's, it's gonna be a different world uh but then like you know well where that takes me or like after that if i get out yeah you know i'm just excited for the future like it's i doubt i'll stop yeah, yeah. that's the thing you can't once you get going you yeah. gotta love it it's got just the, the bug. yeah exactly definitely got the bug and uh yeah just excited for the future that's pretty much it hell yeah i love to hear that so that's session three with noel clocking in uh we're done for today uh have a good one who else really trying to fuck with hollywood co i'm with molly g bro flying holly grow chicks to my hollywood shows and i want to tell you something that you probably should know this that slum dog millionaire bollywood flowing uh my real friends never hear it from me fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me that's why i pick and choose i don't get shit confused Got a small circle, I'm not with different crews. We walk the same path, but got on different shoes, live in the same building, but we got different Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.